welcome to Basic Bible 101. Thank you for tuning in again and today's lesson will be covering Joseph and the coat of many colors as you may be familiar with those of you that have seen the stage play or uh, one of the movies about Joseph. This is probably one of the stories that you may be a little more familiar with. However, you may not have realized uh, that it was actually a Bible story or put it into the context of where it occurs in the Bible. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, let's take a minute to recap last week's lesson. If you'll recall, we ended up with, uh, we were talking about the two brothers, Jacob and Esau, and how there was family strife and quite a bit of uh, sibling rivalry between the two. And Jacob had ended up running off to uh, the far north area where he found a wife and actually several wives and uh, eventually came back and made peace with his brother. So we ended last week where Jacob had returned. Chapter 35 of Genesis uh, talks about Jacob returning and how he went back to the place where God, where he'd wrestled with an angel and where God had uh, changed his name to Israel. So now we know that Jacob is actually Israel from here on out. And we also found out that uh, Jacob had 12 sons, and so they become the 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. Um, chapter 35, actually we skipped a little bit. Um, chapter 33 talked about the actual meeting between Jacob and Esau after they'd been apart for so long, and it's a very touching um, return between the two reunion, and uh, they embrace, and, and they there's... Um, just a real renewal, um, and you can just see that, that God went before Jacob just like he asked him to and softened Esau's heart. And so then we get to chapter 34. That talks about Jacob's only daughter, Dinah, and it's we're going to skip that story, but the gist of it is that Dinah is out in the countryside and gets raped by one of the local uh, boys, and that causes quite a bit of strife. Um, Shechem is the name of the uh, father of the young man who raped Dinah. And what happens is uh, Dinah's brothers basically um, take vengeance. And um, so there's you can read that story if you like. We're going to skip it since we don't really have time in basic Bible to cover it. And chapter 35 talks about uh, Jacob's return and how he, uh, to Bethel and how he uh, built an altar. And once again committed his family and his life to God and it is here that he throws away all his other idols the other household idols and just um, commits himself to the one true God okay um, there's a uh, listing of Jacob's 12 sons at the end of chapter 35 I'm going to just list them Leah had uh, Reuben who was the firstborn uh, Simeon Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Then remember he had the dot, his wife Rachel, which was his favorite one. She only had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. She actually died in childbirth with Benjamin. If you'll recall, both uh, wives of Jacob gave him their servant, a servant girl, to also have children through. And so uh, the maidservant of Rachel, Bilhah, had two, ch uh, two boys, Dan and Naphtali. And then Leah 
Boaz's maidservant Zilpah had two sons, Gad and Asher. And those gentlemen, all those boys uh, represent the different 12 tribes of Israel. And you'll hear about them much more in the coming lessons. Okay, well, what you may ask happened with Esau? Well, Esau uh, had many wives and, and populated the area where he lived. Uh, it became known as the area of Edom. Esau basically also meant Edom. And so Edom, as we find out much later when Israel is trying to reoccupy, the nation of Israel is trying to reoccupy the promised land, Edom becomes a snare to them. And so even though they're long, many, many years before these two brothers had reconciled, uh, there's still some animosity between uh, his children and or Esau's children and Jacob's children. Okay, um, so over the course of time, we finally hear about uh, one fairly famous young uh, son of Jacob, or Israel as we call him now, and that was his son Joseph, which was the oldest son through his uh, beloved wife, Rachel. Now, if you recall, Rachel was unable to have children for quite a while, and when she finally did, she was just so thrilled, and so was Jacob, and so um, Joseph became a favorite. Not too surprising, since, of course, Jacob was his mother's favorite, and so because they, I guess, just had not learned the lesson about not showing partiality, Joseph becomes his favorite, and Joseph, uh, Jacob just lavishes Joseph with all kinds of good uh, gifts and pretty much likes to keep him around and um, in fact one of his good gifts is a beautiful colored robe that his father has made for him now Jacob's other sons are quite jealous of Joseph and of course it doesn't help the fact that Joseph tends to egg them on I don't know if he did it intentionally but in chapter 37 it starts off where we see that uh, Joseph is about 17 years old and he's tending flocks with his brothers and uh, that night he has this dream and so he tells his brothers about the dream and he says uh, listen to this dream I had we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it well of course his brothers didn't like that at all and they said well does that mean you're going to rule over us um, and so they hated him all the more because of this uh, then he has another dream, and he says, Listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he told his father this, and his father says, Well, does that mean your mother and I will bow down to you? Israel didn't dispute that it might very well happen, and just sort of kept such thoughts into to himself, while uh, Joseph's brothers were all upset about it. Well, one day, uh, Jacob, or Israel, sends his son Joseph out into the field to check on his brothers. And along the way, Joseph is kind of wandering around and someone directs him to where his brothers are. Well, as he's heading toward them, his brothers see him from afar and they say, oh, here comes that dreamer. And they decide that they hate him so much they're going to do him harm. So his brothers grab him when he gets there and they throw him down into this well. And they take off his fancy coat and they just... Uh, decide that they're going to kill him. But Reuben, the eldest, shows up and he says, let's not take his life. Let's sell him into slavery. Look, there's a band of a caravan going by. Let's just sell him as a slave to them. And so that's what they do. So Joseph uh, 
ends up in slavery and it's not very long before he is sold to a man in Egypt named Potiphar. Now Joseph is a very uh, well thought of young man and Potiphar right off the bat starts giving him more and more responsibility so much so that he eventually has uh, responsibility the entire uh, responsibility for everything in the household and he manages all the servants and just takes care of all the day-to-day -day affairs for po Potiphar and you think about this and you think boy he must have really been an amazing young man and truly he was um, Let's see. But then one day, and look in, in uh, Genesis 39, you'll see that uh, Potiphar's wife decides that uh, Joseph is a good-looking young guy and she would like to sleep with him. So she tricks him into coming uh, into her room. And uh, when Joseph won't sleep with her and takes off running, she grabs his coat. Now, she had been bugging him for a while to try and get him to have an affair with her. And Joseph, out of respect for his uh, master, won't do it. Well, now that Joseph went running off and he doesn't have his robe, Potiphar's wife decides, well, I've had enough of this. I'm going to get even. So she screams and the servants come running in and she says, look, Joseph tried to attack me. Here's his coat. And so uh, the news gets to Potiphar, and Potiphar is just can't believe it. J even though Joseph says, hey, I didn't do anything, I took off running, Potiphar decides to side with his wife, and so Joseph ends up in prison. Uh, in verse 23 of that chapter, we see that um, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So even the warden of the prison begins to realize that Joseph is a very accomplished and worthy young man and gives him more and more responsibility. So you may ask the question, why would God allow such a, a godly young man to experience such troubles and heartaches? And for those of us who are believers, we understand that God does put obstacles in our paths that that create strife for us many times to grow our faith or to develop character or to teach us more about his ability to direct the events of our lives many reasons and so it's not unlikely that Christians suffer we do just as everyone does and so right here we see that unfortunately Joseph goes from being a slave to being a prisoner and he is a prisoner for quite a long time Eventually, two of the Pharaoh's uh, servants, his cupbearer and his baker, end up in this prison too. And Joseph befriends them. And they both eventually have this dream the same night. And they tell it to Joseph. And jo the first one is the... Um, and we can see these right here in chapter 40. The first one is the cupbearer. And so he says to... Um, Joseph, well, we had this dream, and here's what it is. In my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. Well, Joseph knows right away what it means. In fact, he says, this is what it means. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. 
but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison, for I was forcibly carried off here from the land of he the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Okay, so the baker hears this uh, interpretation of the dream, and he says, wow, I, I wonder what my dream could possibly mean. And he was encouraged, and so he s proceeds to tell Joseph his dream. He says, um, on my head were three baskets of bread, and in the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Well, Joseph wasn't quite as excited about telling him the answer to his dream. But he does in verse 17, well actually 18 of chapter 40, it says, This is what it means, Joseph said, the three baskets are three days. Within three days Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away at your flesh. Well, that wasn't very exciting for this man to hear, and so the baker was definitely not very happy about what he heard. Well, it just so happened that in three days was Pharaoh's birthday, and he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the cupbearer just as Joseph had predicted, and he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had said. So you would think that the cupbearer who heard all this would have thought, wow, I need to tell Pharaoh about this amazing young man. But he doesn't say a word. He forgets about Joseph. So Joseph continues to languish in prison for another two years. But fortunately, God did not forget about Joseph. And what happens after two years is that Pharaoh has a dream. And in his dream, he sees seven fat cows coming up out of the river and grazing on the, re on the reeds near the river. And then he sees seven ugly and skinny cows come out of the river and eat the fat cows up. And he can't figure out what does it mean. And so he's all upset about it and he's troubled and he asks the magicians and the wise men of Egypt and no one can give him an answer. Finally, the cupbearer remembers Joseph and he said, hey, I had a dream once when I was in prison and here there was a young man there who told me, interpreted my dream correctly and I think he could help you. And so Pharaoh says, okay, go get him. And so Joseph ends up in front of Pharaoh and Pharaoh proceeds to tell him his dream. He told him about the cows and he also said in his dream that there were seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it to me. Joseph hears this and the Lord gives him special insight and he says, Pharaoh, what this means is that you're going to have seven years of plenty in the land and then you're going to have seven years of famine. And because it was repeated twice in two different forms, in the form of the cows and in the form of the grain, it definitely will happen. And so Pharaoh thinks about this and um, Joseph says, now look, what you might want to do is look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt and appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance so that there will be enough to feed the people during the seven years of famine. Now if you'd been Pharaoh, you probably would have thought, boy, other places have famine. We really just don't have famine in Egypt. And yet he believes 
Joseph. I think that was God just really speaking to Pharaoh's heart, telling him that this young man was right. And so Pharaoh is so impressed that he can interpret this dream that he decides to put Joseph in charge. And he says, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? So that it really speaks uh, very well of Joseph, that he allows God to speak through him. And so, sure enough, during the seven years of plenty which there, there follows, Joseph is responsible for collecting a fifth of everything, all the grain, everything that is uh, produced that year, those years, and storing it up. And then the years of want begin, of famine. And sure enough, Egypt is able to start giving to its people some of the grain that had been stored. Well, the famine was widespread, not just to the people of Egypt. And so people from far and wide would come and try and get and try and buy uh, grain from Egypt. And Egypt was able to help out as much as they could. Which brings us to chapter 42. Back in the land of Canaan, where Jacob and his sons live, uh, there is famine as well. And the people begin to starve. Now Jacob, when he found out that his son Joseph had been missing for a while, Reuben and the other brothers had told their father, well, he must have been eaten by a lion, and they happened to have his coat, and they had put some blood on it and said, look, he must have been torn apart. So Jacob had spent all these years that Joseph was gone grieving for his son, and that was really his only, uh, his oldest son by his beloved wife, Rachel. And he had only one younger son left, and so Benjamin became his favorite son um, because he was also the child of his favorite wife. And so he does not want to send Benjamin with his other sons down into Egypt, but he decides to send the rest, and he says, go get as much food as you can, bring it back and he gives them as much money as he can and so when they get there they're waiting in line it just so happens Joseph sees them and recognizes them but he decides not to tell them who he is he kind of hides from them and he finds it very interesting that they're there to buy food this is a real time of dilemma for Joseph because he could certainly throw them in prison and treat them very cruelly and and repay them for all the evil that they had done to him and yet he doesn't. He's, he sort of steps back and deals with his own emotions. In fact, he actually goes up to them and they don't recognize him. So he starts questioning them. He says, where do you come from? And they say the land of Canaan. And he says, hmm, you are spies. You've come here to see where our land is unprotected. And of course his brothers say, oh no, we're not spies. We've come to buy food just like everyone else. We're all sons of one man. There were 12 brothers, and now there one died, and now there's one at home, and the rest of us have come down here to buy food. So Joseph pretends that he doesn't believe them, and he said, I'm going to test you. You go back and bring your youngest brother, and if, they're, if you're really not spies, you'll have a younger brother. You bring him back here. So Joseph decides that they should throw, he would throw his brothers in prison and send one back to get his youngest brother. Only he has them in prison for about three days and he recants and he says, okay, all of you can go except one and one will stay here. And you go and bring back your youngest brother. Well, Joseph's brothers are understandably upset by this. In fact, they immediately think back on what happened when they 
sold Joseph into slavery and begin to lament the fact uh, that they were so cruel to him and now God is getting even with them. In fact, Reuben tells the rest of them, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an account for his blood. So Reuben chooses Simeon, who, as it turns out, was one of the ringleaders in uh, capturing Joseph and sending him off into slavery. And so the other brothers head back with their grain, and unbeknownst to them, Joseph has ordered that their silver, which they bought the grain with, was tucked back into their sacks. And so they stop for the night and they realize, they open their sacks and they realize, oh no, we have this silver still. And so for sure they think that if we ever return, we're going to be in big trouble because they're going to think we're thieves. And so they head back into Canaan. They tell their father what happened. And Jacob's response is, wow, you've already lost one of my sons and now Simeon and you want to take Benjamin? And he says, everything is against me. So Reuben says to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on this journey you are taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. So time passes, and they just leave Simeon rotting in jail up in Egypt. And eventually they eat up all the grain. And remember, it's seven years of famine. So Jacob has to head, send his sons back down to get some more grain. One of his sons, Judah, says, We must take Benjamin with us. If we don't, none of us will be able to come back. He, the, the man who we talked to warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. So Israel eventually says, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? And they replied, The man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How are we to know he would say, Bring your brother back down here? So Israel's son, Judah, promises that if he will let them take Benjamin back down with them, that nothing will harm him and that he would be personally responsible for Benjamin's safety. And actually, his father really had no choice because they were starving, so they were all going to die if they didn't get some food. So sure enough, they head back down, and as soon as they get there, they had brought gifts and uh, whatever they could in the hopes of softening up this man, who we know as Joseph, so that he will release their brother Simeon and let them buy food and get back on their way. I'm sure they were a little apprehensive because remember the last time that silver had ended up back in their sack. So they were particularly worried that they would be treated as uh, thieves. But when they came back and started inquiring of what had happened to their brother and, and uh, went to buy more food, they are taken to Joseph's house and Joseph says, that's okay, I know about the silver. Uh, don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. So there's a reunion time, and they're somewhat optimistic in that they haven't been treated quite like they're thieves yet. In fact, while they're in Joseph's house, Joseph has them cared for, cleaned up, and a meal prepared for them. When they go 
uh, to present the gifts they brought to Joseph. Joseph starts asking a few more questions. How's your father? And he looks around and he sees Benjamin. And as soon as he sees him, he recognizes him as his little brother. And he's overcome by emotion, so much so that he has to turn and run out of the room. And he starts crying. He orders his brother's um, food to be set before them and eventually composes himself enough to come back in and, and to eat with them, although he eats at a different table because he is an Egyptian. And uh, it was detestable for Egyptians to eat with Hebrews. But from his table, he orders an extra portion of everything given to Benjamin. And I'm sure the other brothers were wondering, what, what's the deal with this? Why does the younger brother get all of this? But Joseph has one more trick up his sleeve. When his brothers get ready to leave the next morning, he has one of his servants secretly put a silver cup into the sack of Benjamin. And so as his brothers get partway down the road, he sends off his servants and says, check them out, make sure they haven't stolen anything. In fact, bring back to me the youngest one. Well, when the brothers are put to the test and the servants look in each of the sacks, they sure enough find the silver cup and they say, Benjamin must come back with us. Well, the brothers are so upset by this. In fact, they know that there's no way that they can return to their father without bringing Benjamin. And so they say that. They plead with him and say, please, we cannot even go home if we don't bring Benjamin with us. In fact, they say, hey, you can keep all the rest of us as your servants if you'll just let the boy go back home. Because we just can't go home without him. Well, Joseph can't control himself any longer, and he begins to cry out, have everyone leave my presence. And so it's just him and his brothers, and he weeps in front of his brothers, and he says, don't you know who I am? I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But, but his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Now, why do you think his brothers would have been terrified to find out that it was Joseph all along? If you said that because he is in a very powerful position now and he certainly could get revenge if he wanted to, you're exactly right. I think they were overcome by the, first of all, it was like seeing a ghost. And secondly, they knew that this ghost had a lot of power over them. And so they are just, they just can't believe it. He tells his brothers to come close to him. And he says, I really, really, it's me. I'm Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. This is all down in the bottom half of chapter 45 of Genesis. In fact, if you look on in verse 8, uh, Joseph is saying, So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Okay, if anyone tells you that... God does never let bad things happen or um, that we have a just and kind God and he would never let anything, uh, any ill befall his children. You can point to this and say, no, it was very much God at work who said, who sent Joseph into slavery and then into prison so that he could save his entire household. And so we see that his dream actually did come true. Okay, so he says here, that God made him the father to Pharaoh 
lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You and your children and your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Well, you can imagine his brothers just overwhelmed by this and knowing how happy his father was going to be to hear what had happened with Joseph. You see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Joseph throws his arms around his brothers, and he weeps, and he kisses them, especially Benjamin. He's just so thrilled to see his little younger brother. And he proceeds to send them on their way. In fact, Joseph tells them, don't even bother to bring a bunch of stuff, because the best of Egypt will be yours. So sure enough, that's what happened. His brothers return home, and they tell Jacob that his son is alive, and that he's in Egypt, and that he has provided for them greatly and Jacob is thrilled and when he returns and sees his son he is just overwhelmed to be able to embrace his son that he thought had died. Now Joseph is a very smart character because when everyone can't afford food even in Egypt they he has uh, Pharaoh sell back to the people their own grain and so it makes Pharaoh very very rich and he's very pleased with that and when all the money was gone he had them sell back their land and their livestock whatever they had so eventually Pharaoh begins to own everything in the surrounding area and he becomes uh, a very mighty person and as long as this Pharaoh is in power Joseph's entire household is greatly protected and so they enjoy the wealth all the wealth of Egypt and all the protection of the Pharaoh and over the course of year after year, certainly all of the years of the famine, and even after that, the Israelites are very blessed by being in Egypt. Unfortunately, they stay there just a little too long. In fact, it was never God's intention for them to live in Egypt. He actually had given them the land of Canaan, if you remember. But unfortunately, the Israelites decide that they like the good life and they're not willing to go back and follow the requirement that God had originally given them. And so because they stayed there a while, eventually uh, Joseph dies and his immediate brothers die. In fact, it's not very long before a new Pharaoh comes into power and he sees all these Israelites living off the fat of the land and decides, huh, why are we taking such good care of them? And so he enslaves the Israelites, and now they cannot leave. And that's where we'll begin next week with the story of Exodus and the story of Moses. But you can see from this week that there's several really great lessons, not the least of which is that God always has a plan, even in the horrible things that happen to us. As we can see from Joseph's claim that you may have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good when he's talking to his brothers. And then secondly, that sibling rivalry, if it's not kept in check, can destroy a family, and we see that here too, that just the same conflict that was going on between Jacob and Esau last week is now 
evident in the lives of Joseph and his brothers, and that causes the family to be torn apart. In the very end of Genesis, we see that uh, Jacob has died and has made Joseph promise to take him home back to Canaan to bury him. And so while Joseph is still alive and still in favor with the uh, Pharaoh that had put him in such power, he's able to leave and go back to Canaan and bury his father. But then they return and return to Egypt. And I think that perhaps that was one of uh, God's ways of bringing them back to Canaan, and yet they decided, oh no, we went the good life. And so they returned to Egypt, and that's why they are still in Egypt after 400 years. Now one of the things that Joseph did is he made his sons promise that when I die, you take me back to Canaan. So he knew that they needed to be back in Canaan. Unfortunately, by the time Joseph dies and his uh, sons are old enough to do uh, to take him back to Egypt to be buried, or back to Canaan to be buried, it's too late because they have been enslaved. Well, that's our lesson for today. I want to encourage you to do keep up with your homework and keep up with your reading. Those of you that are reading through the New Testament or through the Old Testament, uh, continue to read through the first six chapters of Exodus, and I will talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.